A vibrant young man was mightily used by the Lord. He operated heavily under the healing anointing and through him, God did mighty and wonderful things in the city where he lived. Now, when he started his ministry, this young man will spend hours and hours in deep communion with the Lord. He became very famous for he was marvelously helped by the Most High God. Now, gradually, this man became so busy, so busy with meetings here and there. And his time with the Lord diminished significantly. As more doors opened up for him, then he had more time, more and more time for dinners with the rich and wealthy class and had no time for the Lord anymore. Several times, several times he was warned, but he despised the warnings of the Lord because he was still much in demand despite the minimal time he spent with the Lord. Now one thing led to another and before long, this young man was involved in a serious scandal that truncated his ministry. So badly hit was he that he even considered suicide as an escape route for the shame he suffered. He fell, he fell from grace to grass because he left his first love. Thank God for the mercies and the goodness of God. Friends, it is a dangerous thing to continue on the journey of life without the Lord. The parents of Jesus continued their journey for 24 hours without recognizing that the Lord was missing according to Luke chapter 2 verse 44. Do you know that before the parents of Jesus realized that Jesus was not in their company, they had traveled for about 140 kilometers approximately. And as I meditated further on this scripture, one question comes to my mind and I would love to challenge you with this question in this discourse. Now the question is, why was the journey to find Jesus so non-linear? Why was it so non why, why did it take three days to find him that they left for 24 hours? Why? Luke chapter 2 verse 45 and 46 says, And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. How come they had to travel for three days before they could finally locate him, even though Jesus did not leave the temple for three days? They had the exact description of their son Jesus. His age, his height, color, stature was very clear to them. Yet they could not locate him for three days. So I worry, I worry that if it took them three days to find the Lord, even in his physical form, Shall it not even be much more difficult to find him in a spiritual form? For God is a spirit and they who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. No wonder Jesus said, we worship what we know at not. If the parent of Jesus could not find him whom they have been with for 12 years, him whom they could give the exact description of his height and his color. Shall it not be more difficult in our days? 
It is my conviction that it, it took them three days to find him because in their desperation, and you can argue with this, I mean, this is just my personal conviction as I, as I meditated on this. Took them three days. Because in their desperation to find the Son of God, they must have been redirected to different directions many times by different people they must have met on their way. Imagine Mary in a deep sorrow asking if a passerby has by any chance seen a 12-year-old boy playing around. Imagine a passerby with an answer like, Oh, I saw a young boy about that age playing with some kids and they have gone in the direction of Judea. What would have been the immediate reaction of the parents of Jesus? Even though they are so close to Jerusalem, they would have turned and faced the direction of Judea based on the information they received on the street. On and on probably they went and further and further away they searched for the Lord until three days were passed and they decided to return to where they started their journey. Friends, Many people have experienced so much diversion on their way based on the strict knowledge of the location and position of the Son of God. And as a result, they have wasted many years of their lives. Many years of their lives. Some people came so close to where they left the Lord Jesus. And when they were about to be reunited with the Lord, they suddenly they met a passerby who tells them, I know a prophet a prophet who can prophesy all your problems. He can see all the details of your life from the day you were born. And there they go in the wrong direction again. Meeting with a prophet who indeed prophesies their phone numbers, their names, their house addresses, their bank account details. He even tells them all their problem but has no solution for them. He scares them with death and tells them that they can only avert death by sowing all the money in the account as death destroying seeds. Friends, this dramatic false prophetic journey continues for another seven years of their life until the prophet is exposed. And as they recover from the additional mess that has consumed seven productive years of their life, they pick up the pieces of their lives again which had been exploited by the fake prophet they met on their way. Then they meet another passerby who redirects them again to a mountain of power. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Africa, in Asia, in North Korea, in South Korea, where people can get power to overcome their challenges. And off and off they go again, wasting another five years. Friends, if care is not taken, 15 years would pass. 15 solid years of their life would have been wasted and yet they have not met with the Lord. Our Lord Jesus Christ warned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 23 to 25, saying, Then if anyone tells you, Look, here is the Messiah. Oh, there he is. Don't believe it. Jesus said, Don't believe them. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Even the very elect. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time, Jesus said. If the 
appearance of Jesus, with a clear description of Jesus, were possibly distracted here and there for three days in their attempt to find Jesus, who they left in the temple. Don't you think we need the grace of God to heed the warning of our precious Lord? Why was the temple the last place they looked for the Son of God? Should the temple not have been the starting point of their search for the Savior? Can you see how we look for Jesus in the wrong places? Many people look for him where there are signs and wonders. Some look for him where there are prophetic words. A few look for him where they find large gatherings and large crowds. But only the minority seeks the Lord in his holy temple where he is reasoning in scriptures and questioning the lives of those who are with him so that they can be made whole. Dearly beloved, any attempt to find the Lord anywhere else outside his house will only amount to wasted years. Yes, the temple I'm talking about here is the place called, the place Jesus himself, he called the house of prayer in Matthew chapter 21 verse 13. His house that I am referring you to is the temple where he took the scroll and read Isaiah's and prophesied the fulfillment of the word in the ears of all in Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The reaction of the parents when they finally saw the Son of God is written in Luke chapter 2 verse 48 which says, And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dost dealt with us? Behold, Thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. We have sought thee sorrowing. His parents sought him for three days in sorrow. Yes, yes, it is called godly sorrow. Godly sorrow that leads to repentance. If you have not experienced deep sorrow in your search to return to your first love, then you have not yet commenced your journey to restoration and reunion with Christ. The cost of restoration and reunion with Christ is paid with burning tears that flow from a contrite heart and a broken spirit. Do you think that the mother of Jesus will have slept for a second in those three days of sorrow? Do you think the father will have eaten in those three days of agony and pain? So how come, how come those who claim to be desperately searching for the Savior in our days have no experience of this godly sorrow? How come 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 which says godly sorrow leads to repentance is no longer experienced on our altars? When last did you, yes you, when last did you sorrow over leaving your Savior behind in that critical decision you took about your marriage? How come you went on that business trip and left your Savior behind at home so that you could gratify your flesh? How dare you claim that you minister for the God that you have not spoken to in the place of prayer for eight weeks already? You've not talked to him. You've not communed with your father and yet you are preaching about him. You feel empty within and yes, you know you have left the Savior but you do not sorrow over your state of emptiness and carelessness. How long will you continue to drift in the wrong direction in the search for the living Lord? Why should the one you left for 24 hours 
been so difficult to find even after 24 years of wandering about? Why is your journey back to the Lord so non-linear? Why? Why is it so up and down? Why is it so, it's so not straightforward? Why have you struggled so much with returning to that fire you once had since you fell into that sin? Why is it taking you so long to find the Savior again? Could it be? Could it be that you have been deceived into a place where you are now taught that your sin does not matter since the grace of God covers your sin? Could it be? Could it be that you now believe that whatever you do with your body does not matter because the grace of God is working in you? Could it be? Could it be that you have been attracted to that flamboyant prophet who claims to be your Messiah and has given you all the permission you need to go on in your ways of iniquity? Could it be that you are now trapped and disoriented? Could it be? Why not just cut all these dramas and go back to Jerusalem? For there are his witnesses. He told his disciples to be his witnesses first in Jerusalem. So I believe that you will find faithful witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. You will meet the Lord in Jerusalem. He is waiting there. The crowd has left him behind. Those who came to feast, to eat and drink have gone. But a few that are hungry have remained behind to spend more time with him. That's where you will find him. That's where you will find him. They may not be in their thousands, but he is there. They may even be two or three in number, but he's right there in the midst of them doing his father's business. So what is his father's business? What is his father's business? Souls! Souls, my dear friend, souls, go to his father's house. Present your soul unto the Lord Jesus Christ. He is waiting for you. And this is the moment. This is the critical moment to resolve. To resolve those issues. To resolve the pain, the shame, the struggle. The struggle within, the pressure without. This is the moment to return to Jerusalem. He is waiting. This is the time. To avoid the agony of wasted years. Why not just return to Jerusalem? Why not just go back to him? Why not just cry to him and say, Father, Father, I return in sorrow. I return in pain so that I can find your joy. I can find your peace and I can find your love again. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 